tired of my sister always saying, I'm prettier than you. You're so weird, no one wants to be your friend. Her friends chime in and call me names too. I shout back, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But those words do hurt. I just wish I had a friend who likes me for the way I am. Fast forward 12 years. I'm a master at reinventing myself. College has helped me become a whole different person. I'm an officer in my sorority. I've made tons of new friends, and I love being the center of attention. It appears that I have it all together, but on the inside, things aren't too good. I don't like myself. I'm meeting a bunch of new guys, quickly switching from one to the next. I'm drinking at parties, you know, to fit in and forget. But on the inside, I feel so empty. Fast forward 10 years. My firm just hired a new, depart a new manager over my department, and he's, he's really great. He's asking for my professional opinion all the time. He just makes me feel like I have a voice that really matters. I was even flattered the other day. He invited me to lunch, and he was sharing with me what's going on in his marriage and, and seeking my advice. I shared with him, too, that my own husband said I've been acting distant lately, and he misses me. I love my husband. I don't know if I'm in love with him. I don't know. I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Spiders and cobwebs. This is what they look and sound like in a person's life. For some, it starts at a very early age. This is where the agreement was made. This is where the lie was believed. You'll never be good enough. No one likes you. Who would want to be your friend? It may not sound like a big deal to us, but to a child, it hurts. And these hurtful words can allow the enemy a foothold into our life. And the longer we allow these lies to continue, the more they manifest and grow in us. They become driving forces in our lives. Megan is finding comfort in all the wrong places, hanging around with all the wrong guys, drinking to fit in. She's not herself anymore. Who is she? She's allowed the devil that foothold to grow even more. Sure, some of these things might feel good in the moment, but in the end, they only feel us, leave us feeling empty and alone. These lies from childhood can continue to impact us all the way into our adulthood. Most of the time, we don't even recognize it. We get to a point where these false agreements that we made from lies way back when, when we were little, become so ingrained in us that they're a part of us, sometimes we don't even see them. This is where it becomes impossible to separate the lies from the truth. But we need to be able to identify where it all began because only then will we be able to locate the spider. Only then can we begin the process of eliminating the spiders and the cobwebs from our life.
We're in week three of our series called Kill the Spider, based on the book by this, of the same name by Carlos Whitaker. In week one, we talked about how we're all stuck in a web of one kind or another. And last week, we talked about identifying our cobwebs. And I hope you've taken some time to prayerfully think about yours and consider them in this past week. This morning, we're going to talk about locating our spiders. And you've just heard from Megan at ages 8, 20, and 30 and how her spiders have turned into cobwebs in her life. Remember, in this metaphor, using spiders and cobwebs, the spiders are the agreements we have made with the lies that our enemy, the devil, has planted in our minds and hearts. The cobwebs are the aftermath of the spider. Cobwebs are medicators. They bring us a false sense of comfort. We use them to numb ourselves or falsely protect us from the pain of the lies we've come to believe about ourselves or about God. In order to kill the spider and break free from the lies the enemy has planted in our minds and hearts, we first have to locate the spider. At opportune times in our lives, the enemy comes in and plants those lies in our minds. They are lies, but the enemy, enemy makes them sound true to us so that we believe them. Usually the times in our life when we are at our lowest or at our most vulnerable are the very times the enemy uses to get in and start making us believe those lies. These seasons of life might be marked by difficulty, despair, or death. These times are times that seem to be the darkest times in our life to us. And the enemy looks for times to attack us when we are at our weakest. The truth is that Satan watches for moments in our lives when we are open to believing his lies. He uses times that we might not even readily remember if we were to look back. He uses moments that might even seem insignificant at first. But he is crafty. And he will use anything he can. It may have been something small, like a comment someone made about our appearance. Or like the comments Megan's sister made to her when she was just eight years old. Or he may use a more traumatic moment, like when our parents announced their divorce to us. Or the death of someone close to us. It's in these kinds of moments that the enemy whispers lies to us and we believe him. But sometimes locating the spider isn't very easy. And sometimes the first hurdle is even believing that there is a spider in the first place. Carlos Whitaker writes about one time when his family was on a vacation for several weeks and they hired a young woman to house sit for them and to take care of their dog while they were away. And while they were on the road way out in Wyoming, they got a frantic phone call from this young woman, terrified that she had seen a brown recluse spider in their house. Carlos took the call, listened to her, but was thinking, man, she's got to be wrong. It's probably just one of those regular garden variety of spiders. 
Several weeks later, home from vacation, his wife was upstairs in their bedroom reading while Carlos was downstairs watching ESPN on TV. And suddenly he heard his wife scream and Carlos bounded up the stairs as fast as he could as his wife ran out of the bedroom. She had seen a spider on the bed and sure enough, when Carlos looked at it, it was a brown recluse spider. And so he writes in his book, in a matter of five seconds, the most important thing in my life became getting those spiders out of my house. He says, I had a spider guy at my house by noon the very next day. And the extermination began. We not only had to exterminate them, but we had to fill in any holes in the cracks in our walls or ceilings or closets to keep them from getting back in. Spiders typically hang out in dark, out-of-sight places, don't they? Brown recluse spiders typically don't even come out in the daylight, but instead they retreat to dark places. They often live under rocks, logs, wood piles, or under debris. And like spiders that like to live in dark, secluded, and protected areas, there's a good chance that the space in our story, where the false agreements with the lies the enemy whispered to us, were formed in the dark, secluded, protected times in our life. We know from scripture that the enemy, like the spider, lurks in the dark. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the opposite of darkness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is brilliant light. Jesus came to rescue us from the darkness of Satan and sin. Listen to the words that Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul in Acts 26, verses 17 and 18. Jesus says to Paul, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see, the light of God's word is a powerful tool to shine in the dark corners of our lives. Paul's mission was to rescue the Gentiles from darkness and to share the light of Jesus Christ with them. And light exposes things for what they really are. Think back to when you were a little girl or a little boy. Were you afraid of the dark? I was. I was terrified of the dark. I didn't like to go in downstairs into our dark basement. And I slept with my bedroom door open at night and the light in the hallway right outside my door turned on so that that light would shine right into my bedroom. That light would expose what might be lurking in the corner or under the bed. Jesus is the light of the world. He came to rescue us from the darkness of sin and death. And Paul's mission, as stated in Acts 26, was to rescue the Gentiles from darkness and the power of Satan. 
Paul knew they couldn't do it on their own. He knew that they needed Jesus. And you and I cannot do it on our own. We need Jesus too. And we need each other. It's so much easier to walk strong as Christ followers when we're doing it with other people. When we do life together in Christian community, like God intends for us to do, we're better protected. We have other people to talk to about our struggles, other people to pray for us, other people to encourage us. And that's one of the reasons we encourage everyone at Anderson Hills to get into a small group with other like-minded believers who are following Jesus too. In my own experience, it is at precisely the times when I have pulled away, retreated, or withdrawn that the enemy has attacked. Remember the story of Jesus' own temptation. Let's think about what it can teach us. I'm going to share a little bit of it with you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. <coughs> the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus was alone in the desert. <clears throat> he hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was hot, sweaty, tired, and very hungry. He was in a vulnerable state. And along came the enemy to tempt him. Satan comes whenever we are weary, worn, and withdrawn. He comes when we are alone. And it is in these moments that the enemy whispers lies like, you aren't good enough, or you aren't wanted. You're never going to amount to anything. God has abandoned you. God doesn't love you. Satan even whispered lies to Jesus, trying to make him doubt himself, if you are the Son of God. 
the devil wasn't successful in his temptation of Jesus. Notice that in every instant, Jesus refuted the devil's lies with Scripture. And that's one reason it's so important for us to bury Scripture deep down inside of us so that in those moments when we are weak and tempted, we can call upon the Word of God to strengthen us to resist that temptation. But the devil didn't give up, did he? He left Jesus and waited for a more opportune time. And like Jesus, we have to stay vigilant. Our enemy may not convince us of his lies on his first try, but that doesn't mean he won't be back. He prowls around, stalking us, waiting for the most opportune time to strike. Now, you've heard us mention several times during this series so far that our cobwebs don't have to be big, giant moral failures. And they aren't necessarily illegal vices that we're caught up in. They can start out very innocently. They can even start out from good things. I mean, look at how Satan tempted Jesus. He tempted him with food, first of all, and that's not bad. In fact, it's absolutely essential, isn't it, for us if we're going to live and sustain life. And how many of us can't think of multiple times in our life when great food around a wonderful table of fellowship can be one of the most amazing joys in life? But we also know that food can be a medicator to, confront, to comfort us in times of distress and we use it to avoid facing realities about ourselves. Jesus was also tempted with success, authority, and splendor. And these are not bad things either in and of themselves. And yet we all know that they can become out-of-control desires if we allow them to. Think back to Megan in our drama. Her needs weren't bad, but she did get snarled up in them. She just wanted to be liked the way she was. That's a normal and a good desire, but the lie or the spider came to be that she wasn't liked the way she was. And so she went looking for ways to be loved in all the wrong places. In the book, Carlos' wife, Heather, has a real gift for hospitality. She loves to entertain, and her parties have become legendary among her friends. In fact, they call them Pinterest-perfect parties because everyone loves them and looks forward to when she throws them. Well, Carlos had the bright idea to try and convince his wife to turn her passion for throwing parties into a business venture so that she could generate some income for the family. But when he suggested this to her, she balked at the idea, not wanting it to be a business, but wanting to just keep it fun. Well, Carlos couldn't understand why she want, wouldn't want to turn it into a business. And he said, babe, why do you do it then? Why do you create all these special occasions for people? And there was a long pause. And Heather said she did it to make people feel loved, but that she also realized that the reaction she got from her friends made her feel loved too. And then she started to wonder 
What if I stopped throwing all of my amazing parties that people love so much? Would people stop calling me back? Would I stop getting invitations? And she began to wonder if she was trying to control the love that she received from her friends. And if she was doing that, was it really love at all? And so in a time of prayerfulness, she decided that God was asking her to stop throwing her epic parties for at least a while. And she, felt, she said she felt like God was telling her that even if people did stop calling her, that he, that God, would be enough. And Carlos writes, now we were heading toward the spider. And the spider, the lie, was that I must do in order to be loved. You see, the spider is the lie that spins the cobweb. And the cobweb is the medicator that offers false comfort through the lie. Oh, that enemy is crafty. And he will find our Achilles heel. He tries to take even good things and twist them just a little bit to pervert them. Think about a God-given desire you have or a talent you have. It might even be a hobby of yours like running or working out or cooking or home decorating or having an immaculate yard. Those things can turn into cobwebs for us. Exercise may have become a snare and traps you by trying to believe that you can achieve that perfect body image which is unachievable. Cooking may have turned into a way to feed your need for love by cooking for other people, just like Heather in the story. Or home decorating or having a perfect yard may have turned from something that you just enjoy doing to trying to create the perfect image on the outside that makes other people believe that you are perfect on the inside. Sometimes the enemy uses everyday, ordinary desires, likes, and talents. And sometimes the enemy uses traumatic, tragic, or terrifying experience that we have endured to speak lies. And when he finds us at our most vulnerable places, it is so easy for us to succumb and believe the lies. Have you bought into a lie about yourself, someone in your life, or even God? Can you think back and figure out why you ever agreed to it? There's a whole lot of truth lying around waiting for us at that spot where our spider was born. It isn't always a welcome sight, though. In fact, I think it's safe to say that none of us will enjoy encountering what we find there. That's the uncomfortable fact of this situation. I mean, we don't try to hide or run or try to forget the good stuff, do we? You and I are going to have to do some not-so-pleasant work here. But once you do, 
that spider won't be able to elude you any longer. So can you muster the courage to take an honest look at where your spider was born? And will you commit to sticking with it and not running away even when it gets tough? My friends, this is important work. And I'm encouraged to be hearing feedback from some of you that you're finding this series to be pretty challenging. That's good. I'm finding it challenging too, I can assure you. It is not always easy to candidly take a look at our cobwebs and figure out where and when we got all tangled up in them. And it's even more difficult to locate the spider to get back to the lie that he whispered in our ear, the lie that we believed and ended up agreeing with. But it is vital that we do it, to be set free, to be set free from the lie, to be set free from the cobwebs. So I'm so glad that you are doing the work. And I'm pleased to share with you this morning that Thirty-three people from our church have signed up and are in the midst of the break-free workshops that we offer to go along with this Kill the Spider series. They're working in large groups and small groups to locate their spiders and to kill them because Jesus wants to set us free from our bondage, free from our change and cobwebs. And just so you know, if you didn't sign up this time around but it's piqued your interest, we're going to offer them again in the future so stay tuned and if you're dealing with your cobwebs and searching for that spider and you want some extra help don't forget that we have that to offer to you too we have more than 30 people who are trained in healing prayer to help you reveal and heal you and free you in so many different ways and we have a trained counselor as part of our staff family the Reverend Jill Croswell She's a part of our staff, and she can meet with you and help you too. Spiritual warfare is real, and every single one of us is in the battle. There isn't one of us who is exempt from it. And if we deny the reality of the spiritual battle, then we are denying that the enemy exists and that he is trying to distract us from the work God wants us to do to clean our cobwebs and get rid of our spiders. And the best way to do that is to get all of our stuff out in the open or out into the light of Jesus Christ. Hear these words from John's Gospel, chapter 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's stop allowing the enemy to hide in the dark corners of our life any longer. Because my friends, we are children of the light we belong to Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. 
And so we need to stop listening to the lies the evil one whispers in our ears. We need to stop believing those and believing and living by the truth of Jesus Christ. We need to take time to recognize the dark deceptions and stop allowing the enemy to have any control over us. We need to break free. And if we are going to locate the spider, to expose things for what they are and bring them into the light, we need Jesus. If we are going to break free, we need Jesus. Because the sooner we can start living in the light, the sooner we can start living life without all of our cobwebs and spiders. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for creating us in your image and breathing into us your breath of life. Forgive us, Father, for times when we have forgotten that we're made in your image, that we have forgotten that we breathe the breath you breathed into us and instead have believed lies that the enemy has whispered in our ears. Help us to uncover those times in our lives where we made an agreement with the enemy and started believing those lies. Because once we know what those are and then speak your truth into them, we know that we can kill those spiders and clear the cobwebs out of our lives and live a life full of joy and abundance, the life that you created for us to live. Lord, come and rescue us. Come and set us free. Come and shine your light into all the dark places so that we can live in the radiance and brilliance of your eternal and everlasting life. We pray this in the name of the one who is light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.